Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast on the lives in women and girls cricket. I'm delighted this evening to be joined by Ray Bell. Ray is uh, the head of women and girls cricket at Stockport Georgians Cricket Club. He's also on the committee of the Cheshire Women's uh, Cricket League. He's a parent of three, uh, two girls, one boy. Uh, Olivia, his eldest, is on the Northwest Thunder Academy, so very much involved in the um, elite development pathway uh, for girls and women's cricket. She's also in the uh, on the cusp of um, getting involved in Scotland under-19s, uh, where there's a World Cup next year. So uh, a great person to... Um, to chat to both as a parent, a committee member and as a head of uh, section. So welcome, Ray. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, well, thanks, Tom. Yeah, good to meet you and uh, thanks for inviting me on. Absolute pleasure. And we'll dive straight into our first question, which we ask everybody, which is to describe, tell or explain that first memory or recollection or connection to the game uh, for you, Ray. <laughs> Uh, so for me, it was probably more as a, a fan, I think. So I went to, I was brought up in Scotland, primary school and secondary school in Ireland. So cricket didn't massively feature in our, in our, in, in my sort of uh, playing background. So, um, but I, I recollect, you know, spending a lot of late nights um, listening to the cricket on Test Match Special on the on the radios, particularly for the the games down under, and and I just sort of fell in love with the game as a as a fan. Really, I think back then with a lot more cricket on terrestrial TV as well, there was more opportunity to watch it as a as a kid growing up. So so yeah, less less about playing, more about more about as a spectator. Um, at school, rugby was the main sport. Secondary school certainly, so that became my my sport and the one that I really kind of played played more of and um, and from there you know I, I did I did get injured quite young so I ended up sort of retiring a little bit earlier um, but I got into refereeing and coaching at rugby club in Stockport um, and uh, uh, the kids were involved but then they drifted in towards cricket and we, we joined Stockport Georgians Cricket Club and um, and I think you know I, I, as I do I just tend to get involved and just just help out I think on the first night I helped out and then I don't think I've stopped since since that that day about 10, 10 or 12 years ago so so yeah and, and you know I actually find quite a lot of the I guess the coaching skills are transferable I mean, maybe not the technical elements of the game but certainly the coaching skills from you know the the younger players when we talk about you know I guess making a fun and enjoyable session and and you know particularly for those that are starting out in the game that's the key thing really the technical stuff can come later but I think you know I'm probably best suited to coach in the younger end doesn't expose my lack of technical knowledge as much but um but uh but yeah it's very transferable so so that was the uh, that was my i guess introduction and, and continued involvement in the game i suppose uh, i think it's uh, refreshing to have somebody who perhaps isn't from a um, a cricket background on, on the podcast and to hear you know your views um you know in your capacity that is connected to the game now but um you know, as a fan growing up, listening to Test Match Special or watching it on BBC, um, were there, you know, were there any standout moments or matches that you recollect um, that you know you you could share with us? Well, I mean, I suppose uh, that that's that West Indies team that we would have watched sort of the late eighties, early nineties. I think you know that that the, the um, you know the 
that was probably the, the team I remember watching most. I mean, most of the games you would have seen would have been England games and, and such like. But I think always always enjoyed the, the, the tours of the West Indies visiting. Um, and, you know, I think seeing seeing their bowling attack and the, the sort of a, a aggression of their bowling attack and then the, the sort of the skill levels of the batters and, and, and that combination, I think, just a great a great team to watch. It probably wasn't the most successful era for, for England at the time, but, um, but certainly um, it was for the West Indies. Um, and uh, yeah, so. yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think um, the West Indies coming over uh, to the UK, um, you know, connects with me as well, resonates with me because uh, you know they invariably would be the first test match of the summer, um, albeit that bit later than in terms of eighties and nineties. But um, and so you know they 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 hold very fond memories for me uh, f- for going to watch um, the first day of the first test match of the summer with. My best, yes. with my yeah. best mate from school but those early earlier teams of the 80s yeah the West Indies were very much yeah they were the best in the world and you're right to say that not only they had such a fearsome bowling attack but their batting was incredible so um you know I'm just been uh, speaking to uh, a, a mutual friend who uh, was talking about Viv Richards being you know the best uh, batter that he's ever had the privilege of seeing and I think it's hard to argue against that, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I would agree absolutely. Yeah, so I think there was something a bit special as well when the games weren't on TV. You know, the listening to it on the radio. It's a very kind of unique cricket experience. I think that you know, for for having to be so descriptive and and the storytelling and the sort of humour and the banter and the you know the the radio was a great medium. I think to. To, you know, to, to listen to cricket and, and not just for the game but for everything that went around it so you know it's probably probably more the overseas games you know often at school during the day maybe when some of the other stuff was on or or at least not able to watch it but you know spending the night falling asleep to the radio I think there's, there's uh, probably ha- many happy memories from that too Yeah I think again you, you, you're right to say that cricket probably is unique in that um, that experience that the listener to TMS has um, uh, we were fortunate enough to have Henry Moran and um and Charles Dagnall come on to the podcast um a couple of months ago and you know they're both involved obviously in uh, the women's game in terms of commentating as well as other aspects of the game but um they talked about the privilege of being in that position of uh, that long line of broadcasters that are associated with test match special and and sort of continuing that bond of engaging that fan base that that love, love, you know, that kind of um, community of people who love the game all over the world. Uh, so yeah, you, you're absolutely spot on. So, so you, you say that you turned up at Stockport Georgians as a parent, um, and you made the mistake. We didn't say that, but you kind of, uh, you, you said you, you, you were you were asked to get involved, and that was it. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit more about how that unfolded and um, the beginnings of that kind of relationship uh, as a parent and then a coach with with the club. Yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think um, that probably followed exactly the same pattern as the rugby club. Turn up, watch first week, help out, then you're running a team the week after. So, and they, my family would say that it's because I'm a bit of a control freak, and I would say it's because you know I like I like getting involved and volunteering. But um, but certainly, I, I was always going to be there and watching the, the kids play. So you know, I've always felt if you're going to be there, you know, make yourself useful, get involved. 
you know, I think it's that it's probably even better now than than, than it was with things like All Stars and and Dynamos. You know, there's a real active encouragement to get the parents to just not stand and watch and to get involved, even if it's for a part of the session. Um, you know, it's great, obviously, for them to be to be part of it, but it just encourages somebody to take that step into volunteering. You know, I, w- I was happy to do it, but I do appreciate. A lot of clubs have to work hard to build that volunteer base and, and to get people to step forward and, and help out. Um, and it's even especially if you're not a cricketer, you know, it can on the surface feel like it's quite a technical sort of daunting sport, even at the younger age. And, and actually, if you focus on those younger ages about you know hand-eye coordination, fun games, enjoyments, and like I say, a lot of the stuff that I transferred from, from rugby actually made for different and you know interesting sort of warm-up games or warm-down games or and it's all hand out at the end of the day and, and you know I think you know my my first experiences with Georgians were you know they've got a very clear ethos in that as a, as a player if you've been through the youth setup you always go back and you you become a young helper it's almost it's almost part of the obligation of being in the club you've had that help from from you know young players as you've come through the setup so we have a young helpers program that kicks in but it needs a number of of parents uh, to help out and that actually helps I think get volunteers because actually the cricket expertise can come from the young helpers because they've been coached since they were six they know a lot about the game so actually they just need some you know parent organisers that might not be the strongest cricketers it's quite a, it's a good combination I, I think as a club and it made it easy for me to get to get involved and to and to start that process of being a volunteer and, and, and helping at uh, whatever level so yeah so that was my sort of start point from from there yeah Please just um, divulge a little bit more about um, that the the, you know, the setup at the club. You've 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 touched on the ethos. You've touched on uh, they're, they're very proactive as far as engaging with parent volunteers, etc. But for for many listeners, they won't know you know outside of uh, Cheshire, they won't know Stockport Georgians at all. And, and and even for people within the county, I think it would still be good to hear what you've experienced and the good good side of uh, of that. Um, engagement and proactive behavior towards getting people involved so yeah just tell us a little bit more about what they do and what you you know what you've learned yeah absolutely yeah so the, the club the club just very briefly i think it's, um i would say a, a classic sort of volunteer-led community cricket club um but it's progressed really sort of steadily and nicely they're they're a good healthy position in terms of numbers and 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 sort of playing base and, and, and thrive throughout the club. So they do we do adopt the full ECB practices around um, around All Stars and Dynamos. So that's our sort of pathway start point. We have added in our own kind of mini cricket um, session as well, which is for the even younger ones. But that's more of a you know, as as they're there anyway on a Friday watching older siblings play and, and just, just letting them have a run around and it's a sort of a forty five minute session for for four-year-olds, so it's a it's a fun experience for for coaching that. But then the, the formal pathway starts at All Stars and then develops into into Dynamos. We have under nines uh, boys playing Cheshire League and, and High Peak League off the back of that. We've elevens, thirteens, and fifteens boys, eighteens uh, and nineteens as well. So we've got the full boys playing pathway. Um, I think the four men's teams now competing, uh, and a and a fifth sort of friendly team that. The, We'll get some games in it as well. So, so always had a really kind of strong junior setup, I think, and it's just gone gone from strength to strength. I think over over recent years, um, and then then we 
probably about 10 years ago, we, we just started the girls set up. You know, there was probably only half a dozen girls, maybe, maybe 10, 10 12 years ago, um, from all different ages as well. So, you know, from sort of nine to, to 13 or so, um, and there were maybe half a dozen. And we just started a training session. And, and, and literally that was the, the beginning of the, the girls, the girls set up. Um, and, you know, from that point, you know, we started to get a few more players coming down from school friends, the usual sort of, recruitment story and and you know you, you know you there very much was a you know build it and they'll come approach you know that you know if you don't start it there won't be anything to come and join so so um and then bit by bit that setup grew um and we um started to get ourselves a really good strong bit ba- playing base of, of girls um cricketers that gave us enough when they got to sort of 15 16 17 to start a women's team so we sort of started the women's team off the back of the girls' sets up, which um, it can can be done the other way around. You know, you build the women's team first of all, and then sort of backfill the, the girls' sets up. We very much had a plan for let's build it on a sustainable basis, so that we know that we've got the the flow of players coming through, uh, which means that we will continually be bringing three or four, five girls into the women's setup every year. Um, and as players, you know, perhaps come and go or retire or whatever, it'll be a sustainable thing. So, so it went from, you know, literally 10 years ago to I think five or six to I think last season across the women's and girls setup, there were 120 registered players, something of that, of that ilk. So, so, um, and that's allowed us to, you know, have girls teams that's, um, Nines, elevens, thirteens, fifteens. We're going to. We've entered the nineteens um, national comp this year as well. National lockout, uh, and we have um, essentially four women's teams, including a social team from there. And our third team, we're running it jointly with um, uh, North East Cheshire Cricket Club. So uh, it was more to that they weren't. They're 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 building their setup, and we've done this a couple of times with different clubs where we've just sort of tied up with them and just helped get established because you know for us for, for, for us it's about having more teams locally it's about having more players playing and and there's quite a few clubs I think in that position where they've almost got enough players but not quite enough to commit to a, to a league structure so if you can do something jointly why not you know it gets more playing time and and uh, and helps another 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 club get get established so so that's that's the, the sort of journey we've, we've been on there there we are first team now in the Cheshire Women's League Division One. Um, the, uh, the second team are in Div Three, and the third team are in, in, in Div Four. Um, and it's a, you know a, a really excellent setup at, at Cheshire in terms of how well the women's games developed. Um, we added in the girls' leagues as well, so the more sort of friendly leagues, not quite necessarily you know as well established as the High Peak or the Cheshire League, but you know again that girls' league setup started really small with some combined age group friendlies, and has now got a proper structure off the back of it so and I think the Georgians you know growth has been been sort of consistent along along with that and I think the, the real kind of beauty now is that you know, we've got the full playing pathway you can come and join as a, a girl aged four at the club and you can play women's cricket all, I and mean, you can play competitive um, cricket all the way through which I think is was our was our vision at the start um, and you know I, I, I say this all the time when I talk to people that come to the club you know there's there's a you know our our, our um, treasurer at the club, um, been there an awful long time, running running the club, and he would say openly to anybody that that, that building this set up, the girls' women's set has been the best thing the club's done in about in about forty years as a as a as an addition to the club and a benefit to the club, and a, and a, and a, and, a, and a, so we are extremely proud of that. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, um, it's an amazing story. I, I wasn't aware of the depth 
or breadth of um, of numbers, uh, but to uh, just to hear you say, you know, in ten years you've moved from six children to having you know a, a squad at every age group and four senior teams uh, within the women and girls section and 120 registered players within the club across you know junior and adult cricket is just phenomenal. Um, so you know it's, it's it's a brilliant success story, one that the club should be very proud of. You should be very proud of being part of it and heading up the women and girls, and I think also the the county board um, should be very proud of. And you know maybe maybe I mean you probably know this already, but maybe there the scope to um, you know to kind of share that story um, outside of the uh, the county itself, and you know because sharing best practice is one of the things I think is so important. Um, for, for the next generation of cricketers in particular but uh, within cricket you know I think people are very some people are a bit precious but most people are very open to um, to sharing the success stories not not to be arrogant but just as you said earlier just to kind of give more opportunities uh, for more kids to play um, so uh, uh, absolutely yeah 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 no yeah so so I mean looking back on it yourself having walked in the door and sort of done what you did at the rugby club and um, stuck your hand up and said, "I'll help out." And then, you know, you're now head of the women and girls section of 120. What, you know, what are your reflections? Yeah, so I mean, I think um, you know that what, what we'd say straight off as well is that there's an awful lot of people behind the scenes that that put the effort in as as well as myself into into the club. And I think you know the the first coaches that that were involved in in with their daughters coming down to say, well, let's create something for for the girls. I think they were the they planted the seeds of it all, and then a lot of hard work has been put into it. So I think my my reflections on it, you know, like you say, that sense of pride and, and that achievement of, of for, for the club, um, it's also the kind of lessons learned which I think ties into what you're saying about sharing best practice because you know that those lessons learned are important to share and, and you know I, I find that the, the sort of first and most fundamental thing was, was as I said at the start was to build it and they'll come you know just start with something it doesn't matter how small or how few you don't have to jump straight into a league it's just just get it, get it set up, and get it established. And then, from from our club point of view, I think it was it was getting that buy in from the club straight away. Yeah, it wasn't just something to sort of add in on the side. It was, and it was going to become an, an integral part of the club. So, so we put uh, we put my role on the committee straight away. So there was a whether it was myself doing it or it could have been somebody else. But the the point was is that that, that giving the women's and girls section a voice on the committee right at the start was an important step yeah and that meant that you had somebody to fight the corner to to make sure that we you know we backed and supported the the setup and 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 got that moving in the right direction um and i think that's that that is something that you know you unfortunately you do you do you do hear of other clubs where they've tried to set it up but they've not necessarily have the support and the backing so they've been having to fight for pitch space or, or whatever you might also have some some clubs where there's you know internal fallouts and they have to move on mass elsewhere and I think we, we should be well past that point now as a game where where actually you know the the, the benefits of, of building that section for the community for the club as a whole for the players for the you know the families we're just really proud that uh, uh, you know an entire family can play cricket on a week in Georgians. You know that we've had mums and daughters playing the same team, and fathers and sons playing the same team. We've, you know, we've had a whole family out on the on the same day playing cricket for different teams, and you know that's that's something that we're really really kind of proud of. And and um, and we've also added in the last twelve months uh, a, a disability 
cricket initiative. We've done that jointly with the with the, the rugby club, the, the champions initiative from the ECB, and that's again a, a, you know opened up another opportunity, layer of opportunities for coaching, people to get involved and develop, and again another another all encompassing piece. So we're probably been quietly doing stuff in the background, you know, maybe maybe not shouting from the rooftops, which we which we. Um, you know, probably should do a bit more of, especially outside of outside of the county. But um, you know, I think it's uh, it's it certainly was learned a lot, and, and those reflections I think are ultimately positive. I'm sure we make a few mistakes along the way, but you know, the the end result is positive, and that's what it's all about, really. So. Just tell us a little bit about um, the young uh, helpers um, infrastructure that you referred to, and I'd be interested to hear your views, um, both as a parent plus a head of. Uh, section, uh, what what your your insight tells you about the role of young um, girls, younger girls helping back with the, the even younger ones, if you know what I mean. So let's say yes, teenage yeah, yeah. girls helping with the all stars, or um, or maybe the uh, younger uh, female senior players helping with under 11s You know, as opposed to they're still being. Um, you know, well, I suppose you're an example. I'm an example where we're both advocates and involved in the women and girls game, but we're blokes. So, yes, what, yeah. what's what's your view on that from your experience at the club? Well, first and foremost, hugely important. I think um, you know we at our club, it's it's embedded in the culture first and foremost that whether it's boys or girls, that, that you you as a as a player having been through the ranks, you 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 do that role. You do, you you become a young helper and and. Um, and, and give that back. Yeah, and it's almost an expected, it's an expectation. I think it's hard to introduce it, but once you do, it just becomes the norm. That, that's what expected. And I think specifically in the, the girls' setup as well. I mean, the, the importance of role models in, in terms of you know both as young adults or, or as people and and on the cricket front. Like I said before, you know, it's, if it's just a lot of dads helping, some of whom are cricket coaches, some of whom are not. You know, it's they'll get more of their cricket experience and the cricket advice from their from the older girls that are coming down and from the women's team players that are that are helping out to coach. Uh, they'll listen to them. Like I said, there'll be role models for it, and and it, and it works both ways for those young helpers. You know, that's it's a great addition to the CV. They could be doing Duke of Edinburgh, so it ticks yeah. the boxes on that front. It rounds them as individuals. You know, it's it's uh, it builds our confidence in sort of public speaking and lots and lots of benefits for for all parties really. But for the players, you know, fundamentally, it's it's hugely important to have that have that role model um, in, in, in the setup, And, you know, having players that can push on to, you know, county level um, uh, recognition or, or beyond, you know, that also shows what's possible. You know, that shows players what pathway is, is available to them there and then. And, and seeing those players coming back and coaching and helping is even better because, you know, that's, that's, um, that's uh, you know, somebody who is playing at a high standard you know, helping out at the under nines or the all stars or or whatever. Which again, you know, it's great to see, and it's really important we keep that culture across the club. I think of of, of young helpers. Yeah, again, sounds absolutely fantastic, and I think today is an example of uh, of just that kind of thing of um, sort of recognizing that role model figure in, in Sophie Eccleston with Alvinley. Um, you know, mm. a, a village club like like yourselves. Um, but uh, somebody who's come through that junior system, through into senior cricket, got into the um, elite environment, and has just been um, announced as not only well, she's she's I think she's number one in every uh, ranking uh, that there is now um, in women's cricket. So um, you know, wouldn't it be great if if that um, 
similar kind of thing. It's not all about you know the individual uh, achieving that goal, but to to have come from such a um, you know a, a small village club uh, to to reach those heights and to play a role model in some capacity going back to the club, which I know Sophie does because the Eccleston family are very involved in the club. Um, you know, is, is another is another great example of the kind of thing you're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and, and the you know villages too. It's the sort of accessible cricket to go and watch. You know, the the hundred, the the T Twenty stuff at Old Trafford. Those as, as days out. You know, seeing them now on the on the TV and the and the tour matches uh, and, the, and the World Cup and, and ICC comps. You know, there's there's uh, it's it's you know it's uh, it's great when you can say that's a player who was at our club or that's a player who is from the league that we play in, and it's uh, it gives you a sense of pride regardless of what club they're affiliated to. Mm. Really. So, yeah. Let me just uh, maybe. Uh, turn attention to your role as a parent because um you know you, you mentioned or i mentioned on your behalf in your introduction that uh, olivia uh, is in the northwest um thunder academy uh, you've got uh, another daughter and another son so how do you balance all of those things between you as a family in terms of the different um commitments that olivia has to your other kids yeah so it's a challenge i think fundamentally i think any any parent of sports children, rugby, football, hockey, cricket, you know, they'll recognise their role as a taxi driver for the majority of weekends and weeks that are there, not just for matches, but for, for training, etc. So so it's a huge commitment for any 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 parent with, with children playing sport and, and even more so when they start to progress up to that, that higher level. You know, there's a lot of travel, a lot of journeys. I'm probably quite fortunate in my work situation. I've got some flexibility. You know, I can work from home. I can work from different locations and whatnot. So that does, you know, and it's a, it's a nice a, a cricket ground on a summer's day is not a bad office to uh, to work from. So so, but it, but fundamentally, there's a you know there's a something always has to give. You know, there's only so there's only a finite amount of time and that, that can be that can be um, that can be found. Um, you know, Olivia's old enough now that she's just recently. Uh, passed her test so she can be a bit more self-sufficient and, and manage that which is a big help for us as a as a as a sort of a one car one car family but um but i think you know it's, it's fundamentally it's about you know the fact that the, the involvement in the sport is is if, the, if the, their children are enjoying it and they're getting something from it and developing from it you know it's a commitment so you're happy to happy to make um as, as challenging as it as it is um it's probably fair if you spoke to the my younger children, they definitely feel, you know, the, the poor citizens in the in the discussion in terms of uh, of uh, the, the certainly they always get the hand me down kit for a start, so that always causes a bit of a bit of angst. But yeah, probably like anything in life, you know, the, the first child gets a lot of the attention when there's only one of them. When there's three of them, it's you have to you have to cut your cloth accordingly and, and develop it. But they're all still engaged in the game and still enjoying it. And yeah, you just do what you can. I think fund- fundamentally as a as a parent to get them all where they need to get to we've got a great community and network of other parents as well you know so just that you know you know you've got you can share lifts you can sort of take in turns you can just you know you need a you need a, a logistical mind to it all to get there but if you can work together then i think yeah you can you can be uh you can get everywhere they need to get to in time i think that's a really honest assessment thank you appreciate uh your openness i think because uh i mean we're in a similar situation with our two boys um, but I, I know there are you know plenty of other families up and down the country. Uh, one of the biggest things I think that struck me through conversations with uh, guests in this podcast journey is the uh, the sheer amount of miles that are clocked up. Um, but 
you know, 10 years ago when you started at Georgians, um, if, if you'd have been uh, talking then as a, a parent of somebody already involved in the game, the distances travelled then were huge, you know, because there, were, there weren't those um, opportunities to play cricket either as a junior or as a senior player locally. Uh, but the game has moved on so much in that period. Um, but there's still a lot of travel to be done. Um, and, you know, petrol at the moment has just gone through the roof, hasn't it? So um, there, is, there are a lot of sacrifices yeah. and a lot of compromises that have to be done and a lot of juggling that needs to take place on a day-to-day, weekly basis. So good on you as a family and, um, you know, and you know, good on the, the younger ones to, to still support Olivia with, with all of her stuff that's going on. So, um, so Ray, Absolutely. tell us. Yes, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you 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 were you said in um, that you're also involved in the uh, the the Cheshire Women's Cricket League. So, um, tell us a little bit about that. How that how long that's uh, been in place? What your involvement is, and and where things are going with within cricket within the county for for the women. Yes, yes. So my, I've been um, in, involved in the league as a club. Um, representing sort of Georgians as a club for about um, about six years, I think, um, since we started our our first women's team, competitive women's team, really. So maybe maybe seven years now. Um, and then in the last twelve months, I've taken a bit more of an active role in in some committee matters, just supporting the the committee. And, and to the point now, it's an official official role where I've got more of a I guess a strategic role in looking at how we take the league forward, how we continue to develop, and how we build on. And it's um, and I'm that's a really fortunate position for me to be in because there's so many people have put in such a huge amount of work to build this league over sort of twenty years or so. It, through all those times you mentioned, where there weren't many clubs around, it was you know it was long distance involved in travelling, you know having to really build the league from from scratch. Um, and there's a huge number of people um, that have been instrumental in that and still involved today. So Sarah McCann and Di Totti and, and, and Martin Saxon, you know, they've been huge supporters of, of the, 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 the Cheshire Women's Cricket League. And they, they've built it along with the clubs and the many other committee members, volunteers that have helped as well. So, you know, I've been able to then get involved now and see where the, the league's at and think about how we can progress it forward to the next level. I think it's really exciting. And, you know, the Cheshire Women's Cricket League, again, you know, it, it, we should shout a bit more about what we've done and about what we've achieved. Um, the league's got um, 30 clubs um, uh, involved in it with about 40 teams across um, five divisions, I think, in total. Um, so, you know, there can't be many bigger women's leagues in any county setup, I think, nationally, I would say, in that in that respect. So having so many clubs, so many teams, even to the point that the top clubs from... Lancashire and, and Derbyshire, um, Staffordshire, they want to come and play in the Cheshire Women's Cricket League as well. So it's become almost a northern or the northwest, um, northwest belt at least, um, league. Um, and that's to the credit of a lot, a lot of people. Um, and, you know, a five, like I say, a five division league spanning almost 40 clubs. There can't be many structures like that around in the, in the country. So, so huge credit to all the people that have built that and put it in place. Um, and I think looking forward, it's you know it's about where do we where do we go next you know it's still going to be about you know helping those clubs develop their girls set up I think it's a really important strategic goal um, and, and and making sure they are sustainable and and can continue to bring players into the game so I think that's an important challenge for us. There's also a you know 
with the structure of the Northwest Thunder, looking in the counties they're responsible for, and you've got our league, which has also got Derbyshire and and Lancashire and and Staffordshire clubs in it. You know, there, there's, as I would say there's also a strategic goal somewhere within the Northwest Thunder's remit or ECV's remit to make sure that each county's got its own league set up. That it's not just all on in one within one county. So, so how do we get that balance? That balance right, so that you know, the Langs League sets up, the Stafford League sets up, the Derbyshire, the the Cumbria are all you know sustainable in, in their own right, um, and, uh, and and where necessary feed into their their academy structures for elite development, etc. So, so I think there's 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 challenges and, and opportunities I think, to develop further there, and just as a league, you know. You were still all volunteers looking after the committee, but with such a big league structure, you know you need to get efficient, smart. You know, use social media more effectively, get our internal communications right. You know, the things that would have worked when you were a, a ten club, you know, or just just don't, don't work and don't work anymore. So I think we're just going to try and improve on those fronts. So there's a few different objectives to the role that just helps us be ready for what's coming next and and, uh, and 100% down to the credit, the hard work and, and to the credit of the people involved historically to, to build that. I know a lot of effort's gone in and, and, they, and everyone should be proud of that league and what they've created as a national you know, standard, I would say, to not, not put you quite a point on it. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, it'd be interesting to, uh, you know, to, to again find out from anyone listening who might be involved in a, a women's league in a different part of the country, um, you know, what what they they've learned, where they're up to in their journey, uh, and where they're going next, and and maybe, um, you know, if anybody's interested, they can then reach out to you, Ray, in in your capacity and your colleagues, um, you know, at the league, and 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 again, you know, in spirit of what we were saying earlier, you know, share some learnings and share some um some experiences and and best practices for the, uh, ultimately for the benefit of um you know of more games, more opportunities to play for for more. Uh, female cricketers up and down the country. Uh, absolutely, and I would I would extend that offer to clubs in Cheshire who just you know want to some advice on building their own setup. We've always, as a club, been willing to do that. As, as you say, from the league's perspective, you know to be able to share best practices across other league structures, I think would be a great idea, definitely. So, so wh- where where uh, does um, does Ray Bell go from here in, as a as a parent, as a as a head of section, as a volunteer? Um, Senior committee member of the of the league, you know what else is on the horizon then in terms of um, your uh, your plans to continue to be involved in supporting the women and girls game. Um, so I mean, I think uh, there'll be a large amount of it is keep going as we are. You know, we're making good progress, so it's just more more of the same. I think. Um, I think there's always you know I think as a as a club and it's just just an honest assessment being a volunteer. You've always got to be concerned about that burnout point as well for all your volunteers so it's keeping that flow of, of fresh ideas fresh input and fresh volunteers in because the last thing you want to do is is to, to sort of burn people out in the hours and effort they're doing so I think it's important that we keep that that rolling number of volunteers coming into it so I think that'll be a big big focus for myself is to share that more of the load for myself and for others uh, as always in clubs it's usually a small number of people doing an awful lot of work because I can we spread that out a little bit, a little bit more? Um, and I think from a sort of a longer term perspective as well, and the club, you know, with the, with the increase in numbers as well, you know, it, we are literally full every night of the week and every weekend 
with games for the entire summer. So so we're looking at our own kind of expansion plans for you know either access to additional ground or can we build and expand our facility where we are for a for a second ground, etc. So so we literally are squeezing every little bit of usable space out of the out of what we've got, and I, I think we need to maybe step up to that next next level uh, next level now. So I think, and when you move the club in that direction as well, you know, there's always that tipping point. I think for a club between you know. Uh, the, the sort of amateur club grassroots where you're you're running things in a you know a hand mouth volunteering basis. As soon as you start to add bigger, it becomes almost like a business, and, and you know running a business with volunteers is, is tough. So, so I think we kind of set ourselves the vision of being the sort of most professional amateur club we can be. Yeah, without having to make that next step to mm. to to almost have to run it as a as a business. Um, and I think that's probably our our, our next goal. And, and the women's and girls set up will be already is and will be at the heart of whatever we do going forward. And and um, I hope to like stay past it. But share the responsibility around, get more people involved, and just keep 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 growing, keep keep going where we are. So so, so yeah so. Well, I mean, it's been it's been such a, a success story um, to you know, from from what you've shared with us this evening. Um, I, I think uh, to continue with you know, doing those things in the right way um, is you know absolutely a, a natural step um, in the right direction to continue to do those things. Uh, to hear that uh, the club recognises it's been the most successful thing, the best thing that that it's done in forty years to make the women and girls section an integral part of the uh, the club, both in terms of playing. Lost you there for a second. That's uh, right. But in terms, in terms of um, the the club um, having that, uh, having women and girls section at the centre of it, um, and culturally accepting it as being you know the most successful part of the um, the development of the club in the last forty years, um, that then extending um, into you know partnership arrangements, collaborative arrangements, um, both from a playing perspective and also from a committee point of view. Um, you know, I think the more the more you do share, the more uh, that people do understand uh, the um, the way in which you've built it up, uh, the better for everybody. Uh, so I hope that in some small way, you know, our little podcast can extend that reach a little bit. Uh, and if anybody is um, is interested to find out more, then to you know to reach out to you and and your colleagues uh, both at the club and also at the at the league, uh, but. But Ray, thank you ever so much for uh, for making the time and sharing just you know some of, of those success stories in the in the league and the club, um, and wish you all the very best with it in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, yeah, thanks for the opportunity of a chat as well. I think yeah, congratulations on the podcast. Keep it going. It's uh, great to hear all the different the different people involved. And uh, yes, hope to hear many more ahead too. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.